Well, last week we were in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And we looked at how difficult it sometimes is to stand, that many things want to try and pull us off, many things want to try and distract us or get us in another way. We're going to continue on here and see what he has to teach us about the Christian liberty. Galatians chapter 1. In verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Whatever we do, generally we are looking at a profit. If we're going to go into business, if we're going to take a job, if we're going to do something, we want to know, does it benefit us or does it benefit someone? Sometimes we'll volunteer our time if the time will benefit someone else. But we're looking for something to be beneficial, something to be of of profit. So Paul says that if you become circumcised, that means that they are not circumcised now. If you are uncircumcised and you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, can you imagine all the things that Christ can bring to your life? And what he is saying is Christ can profit you nothing. You can't have anything from Christ if you do it. So this is why Paul is saying this is pretty severe. I, Paul, not talking about anybody else. This is Paul. This is the guy who gives us the New Testament doctrine here. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. You lose everything. Now, he's, just talk, he's talking to them about circumcision because this is what's in front of them. But if you do anything in which you accept the law as a way of the righteousness instead of the way of Jesus then Christ will profit you nothing. We can bring it into our own life that way. And and certainly we want to have some profit. We want to have some benefit. He goes on in verse 3, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So if you become circumcised for the purpose of getting into the family, becoming righteous, becoming perfected, whatever you're reasoning for it, if you become circumcised, then you must keep the whole law. You've got to do the whole thing. You can't just do part of it. We can't, we can't just stop at circumcision. We've got to go on to the rest of it. We've got to start bringing back in the sacrifices. We've got to start bringing back in all the things about the Sabbath. We've got to start bringing all those things that have to come back in, and you've got to do them all. And uh, he says, that's a, big, that's a big bunch of stuff to do. And beside that, it won't benefit you. You imagine doing all that work and it not benefit you. That's... Uh, That's not good. Now, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. How many of y'all like to be in debt? Now, we have debts. means means every every month we have to come up with something for the people that we are in debt to. So you might want to just go back out there and kick up your heels and just, uh, no, I can't do that. I got to go out there. I got to earn some money. I got to be able to meet these debts. There's pressure. He says you become a debtor to keep the whole law. You become indebted to the law, which means every day you need to do something to keep up with the law. And it's not going to profit you anything. So every day you've got to work to get nothing. This is what he's trying to say. This is, this is why it's huge. And it still is huge for us. If we go after Christ through the law, through trying to be good enough, through trying to do all the things that we're, we think we're supposed to do, we get no benefit from Christ and we become a debtor to the whole law. He goes on in verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. 
You have become estranged. You, you, you put distance between yourself and Christ. You think you're getting close, but you're not. You are putting distance between you and Christ. That's not going to be very helpful. Don't do it. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. You attempt to be justified. It doesn't sound like he's too hopeful they're going to get it done. You who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So in order to become justified by the law, we fall from grace. Grace means that we don't deserve it, but God gives us what he wants to. I haven't earned it. I haven't deserved it, but God bestows that upon me, and I receive it. Don't fall from grace. We need to stay up in that spot. We, could, we have the opportunity to fall from grace. We always have the opportunity to fall from grace. We look at not just in, in keeping the law, but you look at the parable of the man who uh, had been receiving forgiveness. And he went out there and demanded someone else do some things that uh, was a small thing compared to what he did. And what he do? He fell from grace. He didn't deserve the forgiveness of that debt, but he was, it was granted to him by grace. But he went out there and, no, 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 this is what the law says, you will pay it. So see, if you hang on to the law there, you're going to lose the grace. Don't lose the grace. Don't walk in, with other people in such a way that you don't walk in forgiveness. Forgive them. Forgive them more than you expect to receive yourself. Don't try and keep it equal. You know, just, just, keep, just keep forgiving them. Don't keep all that stuff bottled up. Don't keep it penned in. You don't need it. If people have wronged you, if people have done stuff against you, walk in grace. Glory to God. Father God, I thank you. I, I was a sinner, but you pulled me from it. I didn't deserve heaven, but you gave it to me. I don't deserve a mansion, but you gave it to me because of what Jesus did. I thank you for that. And you just keep walking in the light of that and don't keep walking into the, into the reminder of all the things that people have done to you. And people have, have hindered you. People have done against you. So what? We're in the family. We're in the family of God. We've got a mansion. We've got a place. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Him in the next kingdom. We are going to live forever with Him. Other people are going to live forever, but it's not going to be a very nice place. But we're going to live forever with Him. What a great... Just always keep that in mind. And don't get pulled down into these other things. So He goes on into, into here. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait... For the hope of righteousness. But there's, the righteousness has a hope, doesn't it? I believe that I have been declared righteous. Therefore, I have a hope of heaven. I have a hope of forgiveness. I have a hope of crowns. I have a hope of a mansion. I have a hope of, of a beautiful life afterwards. This is all great hope stuff. That's the hope of righteousness. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait. I have to see these things through the Spirit because there are no pictures. There are no movies. You can go up on YouTube. You won't find anything on there about it. It's, it's not there. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness and by faith. It's by faith. You can't prove this to people. It can't be proven to you. There are some things we just accept. Father God, you said that mansion is there for me. You said heaven is there for me. You said the next kingdom is there for me. I'm just going to believe that. I just believe it. I'm walking in that way. Now, other people are going to come along and try and tell you otherwise try and pull you from that. Don't do it. No, this is faith. You have faith that that's not true. I have faith that it is true. You walk in your faith, I'm walking in mine. And that's where we go. We, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 
Now go back up to verse uh, 3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Whatever we embrace. And see, some people are just going to, well, just do this. Just partake of this much. Don't. Don't walk in any way that's outside of faith. Faith is the way that we need to stay. Go on to verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. You will attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Verse 5. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. In verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Well, in their mind, what, I mean, it's one side or the other. He's saying, don't care what side you're on. It's not going to avail anything for you. Whether you're on the circumcised side, whether you're on the uncircumcised side, it is not going to benefit you one bit. That's not going to help you. So let's just get out of this debate. Whether you are, whether you are not, it makes no difference. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith working through love. The only thing that works is faith through love. This is it. So if you are the enemy, the purpose has to be to get you either out of faith or out of love. If he can accomplish one and not the other, he will in, in the end accomplish both. Because faith works by love. So if he gets you out of love, he will in the end result pull you out of faith. Because faith works by love. So if you walk around this world without the love of God working through you, your faith can't work. You may think it's working. But he's telling us, how many times has he said this in other places too? Faith working through love. We have to let the love of God work through us. If the love of God is not working through us, neither is faith. We have to keep both going on. So this is what the devil wants to try and do. He wants to try and get you mindful of things in the area of love or mindful in the things of faith to pull you out. He wants to get your mindset of such that you don't walk in love, you don't walk in forgiveness, you don't walk in, in grace towards other people, and that you don't walk in faith. You walk in law. You walk in, I can earn that. I, I, Father God, I don't deserve this. Yeah, you deserve worse. <laughs> but glory to God, you're not getting it. <laughs> Just keep, keep yourself in mind. I, I deserve far worse, but I'm not getting it. I'm not, I, faith working through love. This is... Where this is our arena. This is our place to operate. And the Satan wants to get you off of one or the other because then he'll have you off of both. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And we need to love all people. Doesn't matter if they're cowboy fans. Pittsburgh Penguin fans. Doesn't matter what country they came from, what food they like, what food they don't like. Nothing of that matters. What matters is faith working by love. And things are going to come along to test you, to try and pull you out. Not from God. The enemy is the one who wants to pull you off. God wants you to walk in it. He's not going to try and pull you off. He's not going to try and say, well, let's see what they're made of. That's not God. He doesn't have to. The enemy's going around all the time trying to get you off of that stand. This is one of your stands. You need to stand in faith and in love and don't get pulled off. 
Just know the world will try and pull you off. Continually, constantly, every day trying to pull you off. If you fall off, repent and get back on. Father, I didn't walk in love there. I, I need to walk in love. Because faith works by love. And that's where I need to stay. <coughs> you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Always seems like someone hinders you. <coughs> you're running along. You're, you're, you're going about doing things. And everything would be fine. But something is going to come along and hinder you. Usually it's a person. The enemy manifests many times in people. He says, you ran well. Who hindered you? Now, you can think of this in the, in the natural. If you are just, you know, whether you like to run or whether you're just running from one place to another, or you're just because you're in a hurry trying to get there. And it always seems that when you are in a hurry, what happens? Something is getting in the way. Because you're in a hurry. You're trying to, whether you, you could be in your car and you're trying to make a run across town and somebody decides to, uh, you know, 30 miles an hour is plenty in this 45-mile-an-hour zone. And, <laughs> right? Or they're at, the, they're at the stoplight, and the, the light turned green. It's been that way for 10 seconds at least, and they haven't done a thing. Right? And, and they're hindering us because I can't move until they do. They're in front. And it, we don't like hindrances. We don't like people to come in front of us and get hindered. But in our walk with Christ, we don't seem to notice it as much. When we're out there running about, when we're out there in our car, we're doing things, we notice it when people get in our way. But not so much in, in other places. I don't know if you had this, but when you used to be in, in uh, elementary school, uh, high school, all, you know, and you walk around the halls. You had to walk around the halls. Everybody's walking around the halls at the same time because the bell rings. Everybody leaves one class, goes over to another. And you've got three minutes or whatever time it is to get from one place to another. And the further you up you went in school, high school, you know, sometimes you're almost crossing buildings. You're in this section. You've got to get all the way over here to this section because they don't think about that when they make the schedule. You know, you're in section C. You've got to get over to section A or something like that. And, and it's a long way to go. And so you are walking. You are walking. Well, I just, I love walking in the, in the hallways. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, no one walked to the degree that I walked. And I looked, I, I would watch the hallway and I would read the crowd. And I can see there's a gap opening up right up over here. It's not there yet, but there's a gap opening up. And I'd make my way over. Sure enough, that gap would open up, and I'd make my way through. And I'd just zigzag on through. It didn't matter if I was in a hurry or not. It didn't matter if I'm just going down the hallway. I'm going to get there faster than anybody else's. That just was my mindset. Every time I went out, I'd right over there. I'd get to the classroom, and I always had my Bible with me. So if I got in there and I had two minutes, that's two minutes to read the Bible. I'd pull the Bible out, and I'd read it. Got all my teachers mad because I would always be... Reading the Bible and not reading their books. But I like reading the Bible better. So I was always in a hurry. Didn't matter where, where I was going, what I was doing. I was in a hurry. And I'd, uh, I just walked fast like that. But, you know, people want to try and get in your way. And sometimes you just you misread a gap. You know, and, and you're making your way to that gap. And all of a sudden, somebody just kind of moved over where they, they weren't. They got out of the flow. And you had to stop. Otherwise, you're going to trample them over or something like that. And... You know, it's just, it's just frustrating. Who hinders you? Somebody is going to get out and hinder you. Somebody's going to get out there and, and stop you from going. Uh, think of walking in the malls. You're trying to get, you know, Black Friday. Everybody's trying to get from one sale to another sale before the sale's off. And uh, people are in your way. People are in front of you in the line. There's, there's there. So he's saying, uh, you ran well. You were doing good. 
Things were going well. You're running. Who hindered you? There was a who here. Who did it? Who got you off into this area of circumcision? Who got you off into this area of the law? You weren't mindful of these things before. Now, all of a sudden, this is the thing that you think that, that you need to do. So who did it? Who brought this stuff to mind? Wasn't me. I knew what I taught you when I was there. So who hindered you, he says. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Isn't it just like that? People want to hinder you from obeying the truth. People are not content to just be out there and be disobedient among themselves. They want to bring you into their disobedience. You know, if they cuss, they want to try and talk you into cussing. If they uh, don't walk in forgiveness, they want to talk you into not walking in forgiveness. If they're mean and nasty, they want to talk you into being mean and nasty. They, just, they, they want to pull you into something. If you say, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. Do they say, oh, that is so cool. Now, what do they try and do? They try and pull you off of that stand. They want to get you out. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? There is truth that we know, and we know we should obey it, but there are people that are getting in the way, trying to hinder us from doing so. He says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Verse 8. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. (laughs) He's saying this. God doesn't hinder you from obeying the truth. God wants you to obey the truth. So anything that comes across your path that is trying to talk you into not obeying the truth is not from God. It's not from his persuasion. He's not persuading people to come into your path to to go. No. No. That's, that's not him. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. God has called us to go in this direction, to obey the truth, to walk in faith and love. He's called us to this. This is his purpose. This is his plan. But this persuasion does not come from God who would say, don't walk in faith, don't walk in love, get out of this, you don't, you don't need to do this, don't pressure people to do... No. Don't go after that. Verse 8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Verse 9, I have confidence. Whoops. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, Jesus used this phrase before, didn't he? Paul's pulling that out and using one from Jesus. Now, this is a, a thing that we all know. If you're going to bake bread, you just need a little bit of leaven. If you put too much leaven in there, you're going to trouble. You just want a little bit of that leaven. And you put that in there and that leaven begins to multiply and it begins to bubble up and it begins to do some things and it ferments the the bread so that the bread doesn't stay flat. It becomes puffed up. And we like puffed up bread. I don't know about you. I like puffed up bread. It's it's, kind of nice when it's uh, airy like that. And uh, and I love bread. I don't know about you. I love bread. We go to those restaurants that have bread. Oh, we just tried out a new one uh, some time ago. My my daughter found one. She said, hey, you want to meet us up here? Of course, we won't turn down any opportunity. To sit down across from our granddaughter. You know, she's just she's just a whole lot of fun. And she's at that age, she's just investigating everything. And so uh, we're we're having all kinds of fun with that. So we we headed on over there and we sat down in this restaurant and they brought out a bread basket. You know, I'll judge a restaurant by its bread basket. Amen. If they got good bread, they can probably have some other good food in there too. And they brought out a bread basket. Boy, was it good. They had pumpkin bread in there and they had banana bread in there and, and they had regular bread in there. And then they had a butter. And they warned us about the butter. It says, now, 
If you have any allergies, our butter is not normal. Our butter has herbs and spices in it, and it's, it makes it very good, but if you have allergies, these things, you, you can't have it. And so they warned us about that. Said, she said, I feel sorry for the people who have allergies to any of these things because they can't have this stuff. And so they, we were looking forward to this. They brought out the butter with all the stuff in it, and we put that on bread. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, wow, that was good. So the butter was good, the bread was good, nice and airy and fluffy. And, mm, it was good. So after we finished the first basket of bread, of course you know what I would did. I did. I didn't wait for anybody else. I said, can we have some more, please? Can we have some more, please? And we got some more. You know, if we ever go to, we haven't been to Cheesecake Factory in, I think it's been years since I've been there. But they have, you know, the, uh, the dark rolls, uh, it's a pumpernickel or whatever. Wait, oh, man. You can have all the rest of that stuff. I just want that one. All the white bread and the wheat bread and stuff. I usually like wheat bread, but oh, with that black pumpernickel loaf they got, oh, man, and it comes out warm. I just go there for the bread, you know, and it comes out warm. And, you know, just give me the, the, the dark ones. You guys can have all the other stuff. Oh, that is good bread. And I just sit there and eat the bread. It is, it is good. It does not ruin my appetite. I can eat, I can eat three, four loaves of uh, things of bread. And down seven Diet Cokes by the time the, the meal has, a, has arrived. And I'm still fine. It does not hinder me at all. But people might be hindered here, as Paul's talking about, but that kind of stuff does not hinder, hinder me. But he says, uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So when you got that bread, you want that nice, you don't want it to be too much, you want it to be just the right, so you've got to get this the right mix in there. Because Jesus warned us about this. Paul has warned us about this. You get a little bit of leaven. You get a little bit of false doctrine, which is what Jesus itemized it as. False doctrine. You get a little bit of that in you. It'll go through the whole thing. That's why you need to be careful. You get the wrong teaching in you. The wrong stuff in you. It will begin to permeate. Haven't you talked with other Christians? And you can hear the wrong teaching in them. Wrong teaching about Christ the healer. Wrong teacher about righteousness. Wrong teaching about worship. Wrong teaching about the value of the word. So many things you can get into the wrong teaching on. And they got that wrong teaching in. What do you do with it? How do you get it out? I always love the people who come up. You know, they got somebody, some relative, and they're on death's door. And uh, well, do they believe in Jesus as a healer? No, but I think if you talk to them, you can help them. They've ignored this teaching all their life. They get to a desperate place at death's door, and you think they're going to change now? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So he's saying, be careful what you bring in. Don't bring in the wrong stuff. And the Galatians are bringing in the wrong stuff. And that little bit will get in and it will begin to permeate everything. You let this, this doctrine come in about obtaining righteousness, obtaining perfection through the law. And it will knock out your faith it'll knock out your love it'll knock out your righteousness it'll knock out everything it's going to get inside of you permeate every part of you because that you put that yeast or that uh, leaven in that bread and it finds everything it gets all the way on through you don't have to oh, make sure you get over there no it will do it it however it does it gets through the whole thing i have never baked bread i just enjoy it I have no intention of learning how to bake bread. I uh, just focus on the eating of the bread. Other people focus on the, on the baking of the bread, and that's fine. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So be careful what you bring in. 
Don't sit there and listen to false teachers to find out why they're false. You've got to be careful about it. There are some people that I've, I've come across and I said, well, they're wrong. That's, that's wrong doctrine. I don't listen to them anymore. I don't need to listen to them to help other people. Sometimes, you know, the enemy will get that. Well, you just need to listen to them so you can find out how to help other people. No, if I know the truth, I can help other people. Know the truth and you can help other people. You're not going to help them by listening to the crazy people that they're listening to. The people who've accepted wrong teaching. Because if they got a little bit of wrong teaching in here, it has permeated everything else that they're, they're doing. Don't, don't bring them in. Don't, uh, don't pursue them. Verse 10. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment or whoever he is. Now we've got a, a he. Apparently he knows a little bit about this person. The little bit that he does know is that they're male. Because he calls them he several times. So he's, he's been getting... Some people are, are loyal to Paul. And they're writing Paul and said, Paul, there's this guy. And he's teaching this stuff. And he's got other people out there that are helping him too. But here's the one. He's the one who's brought this stuff in. Paul knows that there's, he didn't know who's, who it is yet. Or maybe if he heard the name, he doesn't know who that name is. Whatever it might be. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. How hard is that to have no other mind? No other mind. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. We can have a mind that is of the things of men, or we can have a mind that is of the things of God. And you've got to be on guard against that, because it is real easy for you to get your mind over onto the other things. He says that you will have no other mind. You've got to stay mindful of the things of God. Stay mindful of His Word. Stay mindful of that faith and love walk. Stay mindful of righteousness, not through the law, but through grace that we received it. Stay mindful of these things. If you focus your mind onto these things, these other things won't be able to get in. They can't penetrate. No, I, I, I'm not taking righteousness through the law. No, that's not right. That's, that's not how it works. We don't go that way. How do we have no other mind? How do we have no other mind? Well, first off, there's some distractions that come along. And the first one distraction we'll find is the distraction of people. You're going to find the distraction of people. People will come along and people try to distract you to get you not mindful of the things of God, to not have a mind of the things of God, but to become mindful of them. Become mindful of the things that, that they want you to do. People will come across and they will be the who who hinders you. They will be the who that gets in your way. Don't let them come in. Don't let them be, be the distraction. Be the force that comes. Don't, people will do this. Just understand that people will. Peter did it to Jesus. Trying to get him not to be mindful of the things of God. And Jesus just rebuked him. That might be tougher for you to do. But that's what they did. Beside that, we had the distraction of places. Maybe some place that you are, somebody else wants you to be in another place. Well, you ought to come over to this place. This place is better. And this place has this and whatever it might be. We can get the distraction of places. We think, well, I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong job, in the wrong uh, town. And you get distracted by places. What did God say? 
Follow after what God says. Stay mindful of those things. We can get distracted by actions. What kind of things are you doing? Well, you're not doing this. You know, for a while we had people that were all caught up about the shofar. And the shofar was the thing to have. And uh, there were teachings about how to blow the shofar. And um, you remember? All I haven't heard them for a while. I haven't heard them for a number of years, but that just means that maybe they left us alone, <laughs> which is fine. But, you know, they would teach you how to, how to blow the shofar. The pages. I mean, my wife was doing with somebody, and they came and they brought her printed pages, I think 100 and some, 140, 150 pages on how to blow the shofar. Did you get that from the Bible? <laughs> no, we got it from someplace else. There's actions that people want to get us distracted with. How many of you remember people who used to try and come into church and get us distracted with flags? Flags. Yeah, flags. I mean, it's okay if you go into church and, and they have flags in there and they're doing things, that's fine. I, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people who would come in and try and teach you that by doing certain things with flags, demon spirits have to run. Demon spirits have to go. Because, you know, you have a certain flag or you hold that certain flag a certain way or you shake that flag or wave that flag or do whatever you're supposed to do. Yeah, they, they would teach this stuff. We had a special meeting going on here one time. I, I still remember this one because a, uh, a gentleman got up in the middle of the special meeting. He knew how I felt about flags. It was not a, he was not ignorant of this. But he thought he could get away with it because uh, I was looking up forward and the guest speaker was here and all. And he uh, snuck out to the back and he got his flag and he started waving it around. Well, I saw the movement. I looked back. I was on his tail. I said, put that away. He says, I can't do that here. He says, no, when you know better than that, put it away. He put it away, and that was lest uh, we saw that. I don't think we ever saw them again either, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, there's some people you just can't teach. You're not going to be able to help them out with. Uh, you want to have flags and do things in worship, but that helps you out? Fine, that's, that's all good. But don't be telling me that no demon is subject to no flag. Demons are subject to what? The name of Jesus. And that's it. We had people that would come along and try and distract you with actions in the area of uh, demonic deliverance. Then demonic deliverance, instead of being as Jesus did, in the name of Jesus, go, or he just would say, go, and they would go and they would leave, it became a, a full-time job. And deliverance, you had to do this, and you had to be saying these things, and you had to be mindful of this, or you had to go and live with somebody, or you had to go do all these different things. Is that in the Word? No. But you see, it's an action that people bring in and they get people distracted by these things. And we don't need to do that. And, you know, the list goes on and on. The things that people do, the things that people come up with. Because you've got to have something unique in order for people to pay attention to you. Folks, we don't get the word down that we have. Why in the world do we need to do more? So there's actions that are out there and doctrines, things that people teach. And we, you know, you've you got to have this teaching. You know, the, this hasn't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I know it's still out there, but I haven't heard about it for a while. The name of Jesus only. Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus only? Well, I don't know. I was baptized. Well, what did they say when they baptized you? Well, I think they said, uh, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, you, that doesn't work. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. Because so-and-so in the Word of God, when they baptized, they said in the name of Jesus well, they also says in the Word of God, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I had a, a pastor I served under for a time, and he hit both camps, got both camps happy. Uh, every time he would baptize somebody, it was, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus. 
<laughs> he just got them all, to, all covered there. And, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was cute. I didn't know that's what he was doing initially, but I eventually figured out what it was that was going on. Well, you, that's, a, that's a silly doctrine. Jesus said to be baptized. And whether you were baptized and they said in the name of Jesus or whether you baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what well, does it matter? But, of course, everybody's got to have a new doctrine. Don't, uh, don't, don't pull these things in here. Verse uh, 10, I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind but he who troubles you. See, this he is someone who's coming in. They are troubling you. They didn't realize they were being troubled. But they were being troubled. They thought they were being helped. But he says, no, this person, he's troubling you. You shall bear his judgment. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So he's troubling you. He's going to bear a judgment. Judgment is coming down upon this one because he is misleading. He is directing you in a wrong path. Judgment will come upon them. Don't you get involved with it. Don't you go down the same path. So he's saying that person who's been there, he's troubling you. He has brought judgment down upon himself. Whether it be judgment, that will be judgment for all eternity, or judgment is in the judgment seat of Christ, whichever it is, it isn't good. One's better than the other. It's better that you don't have a judgment that comes down upon you for all eternity, and it can. But yeah, he might get out of it and, and just be, uh, be judged this way, uh, in the judgment seat of Christ for the things that he did in the flesh. That's not going to be uh, so helpful. Go to verse 11. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? This person came in and said, hey, Paul still preaches to be circumcised. That's what they were saying. He's trying to get credibility, and so he would use Paul. How does Paul know that? Because whoever he was informant was told him, Paul, they're saying that you preach in circumcision. And so Paul throws this in. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, has he preached circumcision in the letter? No. So when he says this, what he's referring to is that the person who's coming in who's troubling them is saying that Paul is still preaching circumcision. So he says it this way. If I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? If I am teaching this like they say, then why are they persecuting me? Why are they coming against me if I'm teaching the same thing that they are? <laughs> so he says their own argument doesn't stand. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. And the cross is offensive. It is offensive to all. We were talking about some of these, uh, some of these things uh, uh, just this week, you know, with all the, the, the news about the homosexuality and the issue down in Houston, which apparently they have uh, reneged on trying to get all the sermons. I heard, did you hear some of the responses that people did? She apparently, the mayor there, was sent um, somewhere between five and 10,000 Bibles from people around the country because a certain person got up and said, send her some Bibles. And so five to 10,000 people sent her a Bible. Uh, and then a bunch of other preachers sent her their sermons. So she had all kinds of sermons and she had all kinds of Bibles and, and things like that. And she eventually uh, did, did renege on, on all these kind of things. But um, uh, my wife was bringing up some of these, these things, looking at the, the Quran, I think, on, on Sunday too. She was quoting out some of those parts there. You know, the, uh, uh, the, the Islamic faith does not believe in homosexuality at all, and they will punish you immediately. There was the guy who was over in this country. He uh, was speaking over at the U.N. This is a few years ago. Uh, the leader of Iran at the time. And he was talking to some college students. 
in the college, somehow they got on that topic of homosexuality. And he simply said, we don't have homosexuals in my country. Well, they were kind of surprised at that. What do you mean you don't have any? I'm sure that there are some homosexuals in your country, some people that are, are going. He says, oh, are they? Do you know of some? What are their addresses? Because you know what they'll do? They'll go find them and they will kill them. But how is it that only the church who doesn't go around killing homosexuals, just warning them of a judgment that could come upon them, how is it that they're the ones that are singled out and the ones who actually kill them are left alone? It is because it is the cross that is the offensive thing. It is the cross that is offensive. So no matter what position the church will take, the cross is offensive. And they will come against it for that. So Paul is just... Back in Paul's day, the cross was offensive. Back in our day, the cross is offensive. It has been all through the years, all through the decades, all through the centuries. It has been offensive. So just know you're not going to be able to stop people from being offended at the cross. They're going to get offended. Stay on the right side. Be on the side that Jesus is on. They were offended at Jesus. Be on his side. He's, he's the better guy to be on. Verse 12. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Uh, they, can't, they won't quite do that, will they? they? They won't. He said, I could wish. You know, we could always wish for some things. I, I could wish that they would. <laughs> These folks are coming in. They're troubling you. I wish they'd just cut themselves off. Uh, you know, I know it's not going to happen. So you're going to have to cut them off yourself. Verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we've been brought into a place of liberty. That means you can be circumcised or not circumcised. That means you can, you can eat pork or not eat pork. You've got liberty. You want to go and have some shrimp? You can go have some shrimp. If you don't want to have any shrimp, you don't have to have any shrimp. You have liberty. You can do as you want to, is what he's saying. Follow your own conviction. If the conviction of your heart is to not eat bacon, stay away from it. You got the liberty to stay away from bacon if you want. I don't know why you'd want to. I like bacon. But you, you have the liberty. You have been called to liberty. He just says, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't just say, well, I'm free to do whatever it is that I want. No, you're not free to have your flesh do whatever it wants to do. You are free to walk in Christian liberty and not do things because the law requires it. You are free to follow after the Spirit of God. That's the direction that we need to go. Follow after the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God leading you to do? What is the Spirit of God directing you to do? If the Spirit of God says, Steve, don't drink iced tea. Don't, 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 don't drink. I have to, but I'm free to do that. So... If the Spirit of God came up, I always bring that up because Brother Hagin told us one time. He said, the Spirit of God came and he says, no more tea. He didn't ask why. He said, okay. And he didn't have any more tea. Then uh, a week or two or three weeks, I don't know what it was, sometime later, the Spirit of God said to him, he said, drink tea again. I said, I don't know why. Maybe my body just didn't need it at that time. There was something going on. But whatever it was, I just listened. Because you have that liberty. You know, people come up and say, you're not bound by that, Brother Hagin. Just go ahead and no. You're not bound, but you listen to the voice of the Spirit, to do what the Spirit says to do. If the Spirit says, don't do that, refrain from that, then you refrain. But He says, don't use this as an opportunity for the flesh. 
don't use Christian liberty that says I can do whatever it is I want to. No. That's not exactly the way that it is. But through love, serve one another. See, a lot of times people have walked in Christian liberty and they're no longer serving other, other people. They want other people to serve them. They want what they want. And they've become gluttonous or become um, fat spiritually. Don't do that. Through love, serve one another. Keep that as the forefront of your Christian liberty. I am free to serve others in love. I don't have to serve anyone, but I am free to serve them. And you do it out of freedom. You do it out of Christian liberty. Go out there and, well, this brother over here has a hard time with people eating bacon. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to refrain from eating bacon because I love that brother. Because I care about that brother. And I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of him. And so you don't do it. Stay out of that. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus taught us that. Love your neighbor. Keep walking in love. Just walk in love. It doesn't mean you let people walk all over you. It just means you walk in love with them. It means you do what the word of God has told you to do. You don't force that on anyone else. If other people want to find out why is it that you do that, you teach them what the Word of God says, but you don't get them to obey out of a law. You get them to become enlightened to the truth that you become enlightened to. And if they aren't ready for that yet, say, well, when you're ready to understand more, talk to me about it. You know, I'm growing too. But you can talk to me about it. Let me know. We'll, we'll go from there. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We walk in love towards each other. That's the main thing. Because faith works by, and we need to stay in faith and not in the law. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, and the word here, bite and devour, is actually words that are used of of wild animals. How wild animals would just bite and devour each other. And these folks here in Galatians, they would have a, a real good picture of this because if you had criminals, one of the things they would do is they would go down to the... To the uh, center where they put on their whatever kind of shows they would put on and they would have criminals um, stand in the ring against some wild animal and this wild animal pulled them apart and they would watch as in a form of entertainment he says he's using these same phrases but if you bite and devour one another beware lest you be consumed by one another don't be doing this don't be out there biting and devouring and people are out there doing something that's fleshly don't go out there and try and call attention to it don't try and, and put them down in front of other people. Just go on. You walk in the things that you know to walk in. You walk in your Christian liberty. Don't force that liberty on anyone else. If they uh, are interested and they say, how is it that you are able to do this? How is it that you walk in this? Well, here's what the Word of God has to say. If they aren't ready to hear that, just let them back up and go. Don't, don't force that on them. The main thing is, folks, we walk in love to them. We keep walking in love. We don't get all messed up over doctrines over actions over people over places just keep walking in these kind of things so stay right minded in relation to people places actions and doctrines don't give your flesh an opportunity because your flesh is looking for opportunities to get out of control it just it likes to get out of control it does not want you to harness it and to, to, to bring it into control doesn't like that at all it wants to get wild But you've got to bring that under control. Don't let Christian liberty be an excuse for that. 
So this is the, the mindset that he's teaching them to have here in Galatians chapter 5. Don't get into a place where we bite and devour one another. Don't have little, little uh, conversations about what sister or brother so-and-so is doing over here. Now, if you've got a problem with sister, brother, with whoever, go over and talk to them. If it's not important enough to go and talk to them directly, just let it go. And just go on. Walk in love and be free. Be free. Faith works by love. Just know the enemy is trying to pull you out of the arena of faith working by love. He is going to try and pull you out of that arena. If he gets you out of that arena, you are unarmed and not able to fight against the things he can throw at you. If you stay in that arena of faith and love, he cannot touch you. And he knows it. So his goal is to pull you out. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to see before these attacks come that someone has been sent to try and hinder us, try and pull us out of the direction that we are to go. Father, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for the wisdom of people like the Apostle Paul who showed us these schemes, showed us these things the enemy would try and do through people try and hinder us in our run. We don't like it when people get in the way when we're in a hurry. We shouldn't let people get in our way in our walk spiritually. It ought to frustrate us because this is not, you are not here to hinder. Father God, you do not bring along people on our path to try and hinder us. It's not your MO. It's not your way of going about things. It is the enemy who hinders We thank you, Father, for the light that we walk in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.